Hi, I'm Alan Alexandrov, and I'm the senior editor of the journal Global Summetry. It's my pleasure today to introduce Stephen Slaughter. Uh, this is going to be episode 18 uh, of the Now series with Stephen, and it is titled Australia Burning the Politics of Climate Change in Australia Today. Australia has been much in the news with respect to the bushfires that have been raging now for several months. So I wanted to speak to Stephen uh, about the Australian government's policies on these bushfires and more broadly uh, on climate change. Uh, Australia, of course, is one of the G20 countries and committed uh, to uh, a climate change efforts to reduce CO2 emissions. Stephen is a, a professor, an associate professor of international relations at Deakin University in the state of Victoria. He writes on international relations, international political theory, democratic theory. Um, I was involved with Stephen in his edited book, on the G20, and Stephen has written a fair bit on the G20. So it's a pleasure to introduce to you Stephen Slaughter, and let's sit down and talk about Australia Burns. Well, it's a real pleasure then to introduce uh, Stephen Slaughter uh, into our virtual studio. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Ellen. Great. So, Stephen, um, I, I wanted you to kind of bring the audience up to date on what's the state of the bushfires in Australia. Well, we've moved strictly from fires into floods is the basic um, situation at the moment. Yeah. Um, the, it was very, very dry and hot in Australia in December, and that, that's when the big fires hit. It started to cool down and rained in Victoria uh, since mid-January, and then just in the last week it's poured down in New South Wales, and it's, there's floods there. So we've gone from one problem to another. Well, then let's go backwards. Let's look at the emergence of these fires. I mean, how your sense of how people reacted as these fires began to build to such mm. an enormous state as we even got uh, word of it, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of our news at the, as the way in which it's impacted uh, in eastern, particularly eastern yeah. Australia, New South Wales, Victoria. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, look, it's important to, to indicate that fires are nothing new for Australia. We've, right. we've always had fires. So um, throughout my childhood, I remember bad fires. So that it's, it's in itself, it's not a shock. But what is really surprising about these fires is the scale and the scope of the fires. The fire season started very, very early um, up in Queensland, and it's just been – uh, gathering steam right throughout the the, the summer. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> one thing that is new, I, I mean, I remember a few times when we've had fires, is the, the smoke coming from the, the bush and into into the cities. I remember a little bit of that when I was a kid. It happened once in a while, but the consistency of it, just weeks of smoke, that's something that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the reaction is framed by the fact that, sure, Australians are used to fires in some way, but I think that this is, has been different, and I think that's why it's got the attention of, of the outside world. Um, but that being said, I mean, there's still a sense that Australia, like other countries, is 
the public's are divided over this issue. Mm-hmm. We still have people who are who are denying you know, climate change, the link between climate change and fires. So there's a lot of there's still a lot of a lot of debate and a lot of um, context, despite the fact that there's increased community anxiety about the fires and questions around how people out in the country can can live in these uh, and thrive in these drier and more more dangerous uh, conditions. Now I take it you're in Melbourne or near Melbourne. Yes, yes. And, no, and we're, we're... So you suffered from again not just one or two days, but yeah. continuous days of smoke impacting yeah. on on your air and. And yeah, creating so air pollution. If if you if you had if you have a condition like asthma, which of course is a pretty common condition, you have to be a bit careful. It's um, so it's about to stay inside or reduce your exercise. There were a few days where it was just it was really really awful. Um, some days it just was just a bit hazy. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 strange. It's it it again once in a while it happens, but not for. I've never seen you know, four or five days of it in a row. That's just not something I've seen before. Okay, so so let's kind of focus, you know, on uh, on the government, in, in particularly the federal <laughs> government in this case. It's not as though government wasn't alerted of the changing Australian environment before the end of 2019, before the end of the year. Carol Sparks, who's the mayor of Glen Innes, stated, "We are so impacted by the drought, which you did raise." And the lack of rain, she says, it's climate change. There's no doubt about it. The whole of the country is going to be affected. We need to take a serious look at our future. And I guess the question is, did did the federal government react to that or is it? Well, I mean, the one, I mean, the the, the Liberal Party, uh, which is the, the, the current and, Current government runs in a coalition with the National Party, which is the kind of rural uh, yep. party in Australia. Yeah, has never really deeply engaged with the science of climate change. In fact, they've actually tried to decrease um, the presence of and, and the impact of, of climate science in Australian policymaking. One little rhetorical shift that is starting to occur, and I don't know whether this is significant or not, but there's much more. The Morrison government, particularly in the last couple of months, has spent far less time denying climate change. Ex- there's much more acceptance now about there's a relationship between climate change and 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 the fires, but the language is much more about adaptation and resilience rather uh-huh. than prevention or decreasing Mitig- um, mitigation. Mitigation, yeah. yeah. So, and of course that's driven by um, it's partly ideological, it's partly a um, you know, kind of a small government type of uh, attitude that, that the government has because they're a liberal party, which is a conservative party in the Australian context. But it's also partly committed to the fossil fuel industry, which is a powerful lobby group in Australian politics um, and has been for a long time. And it must be emphasised that uh, this, the Liberal Party not only repealed the carbon tax that we had in operation from 2012 to 2014, so that they've actually decreased efforts to address climate change in, in terms of, of emissions, um, in terms of reducing emissions, but also, uh, and this puts this all a bit more of a stark context is that mm-hmm. a context is that um, the Liberals took this kind of position to the electorate just May of last year and won the election. So this is not like a situation where the governments have out of touch in this in the sense that although public attitudes might be changing, the reality is that the public ratified uh, the Liberal Party, yeah, less than a year ago. Yeah, it you know it's very interesting. We've been fortunate enough to uh, here at the University of Toronto in the Monk School uh, host uh, Kevin Rudd, who was the former uh, L- Labor Prime Minister of Australia, 
he's now uh, uh, at the Asian Institute in New York, but it's, uh, you know, New York, Toronto, pretty close. Mm -hmm. uh, he's come up a number of times. Now, it's interesting because we've had discussions with him. He's committed to the view, rightly or wrongly, that his loss, and he did lose an election and then subsequently yeah. Labour lost an election, as you said, in May, I guess, of this past year, uh, yeah. that that he, he and I presume others have laid uh, that loss, those losses, at the doorstep of the print media, yeah. and in particular, yeah. the Murdoch papers in Australia. What, what's your reaction to that? View. Look, there's there's a lot of issues here. I mean, it's absolutely the case that Murdoch papers in Australia and elsewhere continue to try to chip away at public support and undermine any public momentum to address climate change and make connections between climate change and other 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 issues. Uh, but I think it's only one one issue. I mean, I think that the first thing that needs to be said is that Australians get their political information not just from Murdoch papers. I think that social media is a big one. So that's a the influence that Murdoch has is a bit indirect, I think, but mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely it, it's definitely the case that it's a problem. I, I think there's some other issues in in the Australian context anyway. One of them is there's a it's very strange uh, political culture in Australia that um, Australia's well known for being laid back and kind of relaxed about things, and I think that kind of can bleed into laziness and a reluctance to make creative uh, and brave steps. And I think that's a part that's all political parties in Australia in get wrapped up with sometimes just not just just being reactive um and i think the australians are, we, one of the things you'll see in the fires and you want to see in the media is there's a real um spirit in australia of coming together in times of crisis and, mm -hmm. you know, and my and the attitude that that's hitting home for me at the moment is that that attitude of community the idea of coming together to confront a challenge is just not going to be enough in the future we actually need to get smarter about preventing problems rather than just reacting to them and that's and that's a deep political cultural issue in australia the laid back and relaxed nature of australia needs to unfortunately change the other issue that's important and i think this is an issue that's going to have relevance for you know other countries as well is there's just the difficulty of left-wing parties particularly in australia the australian labor party to win federal elections at the moment it's really worrying me they just the election last year was an election that they should have easily won mm -hmm. and they lost and mm -hmm. it's just really it's a real worry and maybe it does connect back to the murdoch papers but there's some also some some real big issues that the labor party in australia there's basically a divide that the inner city tends to vote left the country rural areas tend to vote right and there's Elections are de determined by suburban um, suburban electorates, so kind of um, kind of residential out out a bit. And the Labor Party and left wing parties really struggle to make contact with that those that that suburban electorate. And until that changes, then you know these other factors are just going to keep on being unchecked. I mean, it's interesting because, of course, the Labor Party did, federally did bring in a, a carbon a carbon mm. tax. I take yep. it that that was kind of the one of the targets that uh, the Liberal Party, the Nationalist Party, played off of uh, uh, in the election uh, in May, right? That that that, yeah. that you know this was a, a bad policy making. I, I I didn't characterize it, but I I suppose that's how it was characterized by the by Liberal uh, and Nationalist parties. Yeah. So the the big issue last election, um, I mean, climate change was 
was part of the debate, but it was it was funny. The the the, uh, the campaign was actually the, the election was actually about old fashioned economic management more really anything really? else. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the Liberal National Party went hard at the, the Labor Party over kind of taxation and being bad economic managers. Um, and it, so it was a kind of an old-fashioned, it was like a campaign from the 80s or, or really? 90s. It, the impact of climate change was quite was quite mute. And But the one issue that did cut through and it became a, a really important issue was the Adani coal mine, which is a coal mine that's suggested to be built in uh, Queensland. Yes. And... The government campaigned very hard on the question of jobs that would come from this, despite the fact that you know, the coal industry uh, is a relatively small employer. It's still seen as being very important to rural and suburban electorates. And and the, Labor, the Liberal Party made very effective running of that. And actually, one, one of the reasons they won the election was they held um, – and held many of the electorates uh, in the election when it came to um, the seats in in Queensland, where the uh, mine was located, was said to be was suggested to be located. Um, so it was a, it was a very strange election. Um, but the, the bottom line is that um, yeah, again, it comes back to the fragmented nature of Australia. I know okay. some very you know, younger people are very worried about this election, are very motivated to vote for the Greens or the Labor Party. But some older people are still business as usual. Let's just keep on making jobs. I take it, and you uh, referenced it, I mean, that that the coal mining industry and Australia um, is a major exporter Mm. of coal. Uh, It may, you know, I don't know how that measures up in terms of, you know, all jobs, but... Clearly, it, it's an identifiable industry, and indeed, the uh, the mine that we're talking about, or or uh, in Queensland, uh, I take it was in part being funded by um, the um, importer from India. Uh, yes, and that this was you know so major outlay uh, to to build this uh, uh, to build this coal field up. Um, but I take it that more generally, the coal industry has been a a large financier of, of funding for for the elections. That yeah. It, yes. Yeah. So it's definitely a case. I mean, it has uh, the fossil fuel industry has influenced both in in the Liberal Party, but also in the Australian Labor Party because uh, Labor, you know, mm-hmm. Labor Party through unions and so forth. It's uh, it's you know the. the Fossil fuels in the coal industry has been a backbone in the Australian economy for a, for a long time. Um, it has to be said that in terms of actual actual employment, there's a lot of other industries that are far um, employ far more people and are more sustainable. Um, and of course, one of the big issues that's happening with this uh, fire season is that we're seeing um, the huge impact of the fires has been on the tourist, tourism industry, which yeah. is a really big employer in Australia. Um, as uh, as you could no doubt guess, um, and then the fires are having a really big impact on on the tour- tourism industry, which has been hit first of all by the fires and now by the the coronavirus that's hitting. Um, oh, corona! Region. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a really big. Um, it's been a the tourism industry has had one of the worst. Um, you know, looking for a very a very um, bad situation moment because of these two two issues. Huh. So there's a question a question here about. Um, you know, at what point does the Morrison government start to realise that they have to balance the interests of the fossil fuel industry with other industries? Okay, like okay. Well, it was interesting because I take it, uh, you know, in his uh, – first of all, uh, Scott Morrison <laughs> was found to be off in Hawaii yep. Uh, yep. for vacation in December, <laughs> and I take it he really took a political hit 
um, yeah. for that and, and indeed quickly returned back to Australia in his, um, kind of, um, announcement, I guess ele- it's not an election speech. It's, it's the annual, uh, January 1st speech, the new year. His, uh, New Year's message was, uh, you know, urging Australians to celebrate living in the most amazing country on earth. That's a quote. And remember, <laughs> and quote again, there's no better place to raise kids anywhere on the planet. <laughs> so it, clearly yeah. these, these particular, uh, this particular messaging doesn't seem to connect uh, the yeah. bushfires and, and, and global warming. Mm. Uh, is, has he stuck to this or has he begun to come off of it? Uh, because that just struck me as extraordinary yeah. that he would have a yeah, message look, like that. No, look, there's a, lot, there's a lot of issues here. I mean, the, the fact that Morrison went on leave during this type of view is not unusual, but, uh, what was unusual about it was that, um, his, his office initially was unclear about where he was. <laughs> so it was. And normally when the prime minister goes away, there's a, you know, there's a very clear, uh, publicity and public release about who you know the deputy prime minister is and what all those kind of things are normally very clear. In this case, it wasn't very clear, mm-hmm. um, and it indicated that the office his office was was um, worried about the perception of where he was. So they didn't tell we didn't know he was in Hawaii until a few days later. Um, and then he re- the, his first reaction to that was to not come back, and then eventually he realized he, he had to come back. Yeah. So it was it was a, a cascade of errors. First of all, of not of not coming back straight away, um, being unclear and lying about where he was, and then finally coming back. Um, so the, it was a hot, and it's really severely dented his image. I mean, he, because he won the election last year, everybody he was, you know, he was he was on cloud nine. Everybody thought sure. he was a, a a political messiah, and he's frittered away those gains in, in in a couple of days, literally a couple of days. Really, really. And then, and then. Um, um, the, the situation when he, he made that speech and it came across as completely tone deaf because people were literally fighting fires and, at this point. Hmm. Um, it, it led people to question his political judgment. Now, he's still in, 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 the, in charge of a government that's um, still going forward with agenda. The policy agenda is still going forward. but And he's got internal political support, but he's definitely his image is being tarnished by this. Uh, people have questioned his political judgment, as I said. And I take it because we we saw images of it. His attempt to um, calm uh, people who are were dealing with the bushfires, and you know, literally taking heat from people um, mm. from for yeah. you know his his being there suddenly in January or late December after yeah. being away. Uh, and in fact, uh, by uh, early January, Morrison conceded that there were things he could have handled better. Uh, yeah. And I take it so at least at that level, uh, he he re- he was reacting to a strong public um, view that you know this wasn't being handled all that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's a really interesting situation. I mean. It- there's a lot of things that have gone wrong here, and part of it is just ignoring, you know, the thing about the, the relationship between climate change and uh, global warming and 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 fires is that the relationship is well known. Like we've this is there've been government reports going back to the '90s showing this connection. So this is this is nothing of this is unexpected. So when he comes out and says these things, and mm-hmm. people who are you know, involved in the policy making areas are just like, you know, what planet are you on? So there's not just a question of political judgment here; it's about 
perception, about threat perception, risk perception, that he doesn't have a very good sense of that. And that's partly because of the ideological commitments that his government has in relation to its really close relationship with the fossil fuel industry. And it's just you know, blinding his capacity to see the okay. world around him. And you know, that's okay. a clear problem. Okay. Well, and, you know, maybe you can sum it up. I mean, in late December, uh, Australia was rated as the worst performing country <laughs> on climate uh, change policy out of 57 countries that were examined by in a report prepared mm -hmm. by a number of international think tanks, including uh, Climate Action Network, and there were others as well. Uh, the report also criticized the Morrison government for being a regressive force internationally. I mean, has the government, I mean, has the government begun to react to, to that? Not per se the report, but just more mm. generally the view that is just out of touch. Look, it's, in short, not really. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, okay. this is obviously, this report and, and reports like it are, are clearly embarrassing for, for people in Australia who do want to act uh, to address climate change. And, of course, as I said, there's, you know, despite the fact that the Green and Labor parties did not win the election last year, they still they still got a good percentage of the vote. So there's a still a lot of support in Australia for, for, for action. And I think that that support is, has grown a little bit over the course of this, of this fire season and what we've seen around us. But this... This, this idea of Australia acting as a regressive force, I think, is very accurate. And, and I think that uh, slowly Australians are starting to realise the, the declining uh, influence and declining soft power that Australia has uh, mm -hmm. in the region and globally. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's a perhaps the what's probably better known in the Australian context is not to match that report, but just the Australian attitude to the concerns of Pacific Islands um, that right. have been expressing for some time concerned about Australia's policy in respect to climate change because, of course, rising sea levels and, and, and acidification of the water is overseas affecting them uh, right here, right now. And this is something that has got a bit of more public public knowledge. Um, and it, it's also connecting to other tricky things that Australia is trying to do. For example, trying to we're trying to, uh, I don't know if this has changed in the last few weeks, but Australia has for a little while now been trying to carry over its emissions reductions from the Kyoto Protocol and put them into the Paris Agreement. Yes. A double count. Yes. And this kind of tricky accounting, of course, isn't going to address climate change. But I think those kinds of things are going to be harder for Australia to do with its declining influence and declining reputation. Um, yeah, so certainly internationally. Um, and it was commented on, we did a podcast, uh, I did a podcast just recently with a couple of my colleagues on, on COP25 in particular, but COP25, COP26, that is the uh, Conference of the Parties with respect to the Paris mm. uh, Climate Change uh, Accord. And one of the really bedeviling uh, issues was Australia's insistence, along with Brazil's mm. insistence, that they be able to carry forward their Kyoto, mm. so-called Kyoto <laughs> credits, although it's a little tough to figure out exactly what those credits are, yes, into yes. into their NDCs, into their mm. nationally determined uh, commitments. So I take them that that is still kind of Australia's uh, approach uh, to to Paris more gen more generally to get those kinds of advantages. Yeah, I see. This is where it's two-handed response from Australia. Is the Morrison government, even in the last couple of weeks and, and months, has made more. You know, doesn't deny climate change, mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but the language is far more about adapt and resilience than it is about prevention, uh, and particularly about reducing emissions. So it seems to me that holding that party line about trying to maintain Australia's role as a coal producer mm-hmm. um, and a coal exporter is still very, very, uh, very key part of Australia's policy. Okay. As, you, as you noted earlier, I mean, one of the things about Australia is Australia, and this is where this is this is where this is this is the break of reality occurs for the Morrison government, where they see this. One of the arguments they make <clears throat> is that Australia is too small to make a difference. We don't have to reduce our emissions because China is still growing. But in fact, the reality is Australia is a big producer of of of, of, of carbon. Um, where when you combine our 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 export of of coal and fossil fuels and Mm -hmm. our domestic consumption of of fossil fuels, we're fifth overall, I think. So we actually are a big player. And rather than being on the forefront of acknowledging that and to moving on to new technology and adapting Australia by reducing emissions, we just want to say, well, these fires are part of reality. We have to get used to it, which is, um, you know, I don't know how that's going to stand up in the next election. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, I take it, though, that there is a stronger reaction uh, you know, to that, uh, given what's, what you, the public has seen, which just strikes one in looking at it. I mean, I, as you say, it's not like fires are new, the bushfires are new to Australia, but the, the breadth and, mm. and depth of these things just seems out of, way out of character to what yeah. Australians have gotten used to. One of the things I found quite interesting is we have uh, opinion polling, as we do all democracies, and, and one of the opinion polls after things showed that Morrison's um, rep- um, standing decreased by by a couple of percent. But I, I was quite surprised that it didn't drop by more. And mm-hmm. it just comes to show how polarised Australia is and how okay. people who, who are with Morrison are still sticking with him. So even though now it's still his his approval ratings are still in the 40%, so it's not like he's, he's bottomed out and there's – uh, laughing stock like some other leaders of large Western countries, um, <laughs> but it, it is it is the case that I still think that the Morrison government seems to be immune to shame. Like they, they don't seem to, you know, they seem to be able to push through it. I think the biggest issue here, and it's kind of the issue that's going to drive uh, through to the next election, is the economic costs of climate change. Whether the, whether we when we do the final tally of this impact of this summer on the Australian economy. Um, that might be an instigator for change within the Liberal National Party and within Australian politics. Because I must emphasise that within the Liberal National Party, there are people who do want to address climate change, right. just as there are people in in, in, in the in the Labor Party who are who are closer to fossil fuel uh, and th- than others. Mm-hmm. But this idea of the economic costs, I think, is going to be a really big issue of of how we look at climate change um, in the next couple of years. So going forward, that's going to be. A, a way in well, which the politics will organize itself. I, th- I think it. Well, it's just it's just the reality. I mean, one of the things that one of the other things about this the Morrison government at the moment is they're trying to get the government into surplus. So our budgetary situation gets us into surplus. It's been a, a long-standing commitment of theirs, and they were this year they were they were going to get there, and it looks like it's going to be completely blown out of the water by by the impact of climate change and mm-hmm. the impact of 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 the economic costs on small businesses and, and local communities is really going to be significant. And I think it'll be very interesting to see how the, the electorates and the people in the in the areas that are affected by the fires directly, mm-hmm. how they vote next election, whether they start to move their vote away from uh, the Liberal National Party and start voting for a party that wants to actually reduce emissions and 
uh, re- address climate change uh, directly. Well, I really want to thank you, Stephen, for, for being willing to kind of explore the politics of the bushfires because that's in the end, I mean, it directly impacts on the, on climate change politics in Australia. So it's been, it's very interesting to see the, uh, the various positions that, that exist now within the Australian, uh, political environment. So I really want to thank you for exploring that with us. Thank you for the invite. Ah, it's great.